Good morning. You guys had a good week? I guess so. Yeah, we had a great week, didn't we? Anybody have a good week? I hope so. Yes, there we go. Don't you love kids? Yes, we love, we love kids, except our own kids sometimes. I'll tell you a story in a few minutes. I told my son, I'm going to use you as an excuse, an example this morning. You know when the pastor uses his kids as an example, he's trying to make a point. And so I'm going to make a point in just a few minutes. Don't, worry, don't you go anyplace, Caleb. You can sit here and listen to this. Oh, listen, Brian's already stole my thunder. One of the questions we've been asking throughout this series has been, you know, are you following Jesus? We've not asked you if you go to church all the time, whether or not you've been baptized. We've not asked uh, the question, do you have so many scriptures memorized or what you give? The question we've asked you guys from the beginning of this series has been, are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Not asking you whether or not you're practicing a religion or whether or not you're, you're keeping up with a system of do's and don'ts, but what we've asked you is that, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you, have you received the invitation that Jesus gives us to follow him? You know, and that decision that he offers us goes back and it, it helps us think about, do we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And do we believe that Jesus did what the Bible tells us that he he did, but to, to receive Christ, to trust Christ, it involves two, three, two things, really, faith and trust. And talking about my son, I'm going to use him as an example today, okay? You guys ever been around somebody that's broken your trust? You ever been around somebody that sort of didn't, didn't, I mean, things didn't go the way that you thought they would go, that, you know, they told you one thing and it didn't, and, and it maybe not have just been one time, it may have been more than one time. Well, my son did me that way yesterday, okay? Yeah. He says, Dad, look. He said, how about, how about going to the, uh, you know, we got a, I found out Friday, we got a track meet. See, Claremont, Dad, no big deal. Okay, all right, well, yeah. That's the things I got to get done. I'm there. All right. 30 minutes, not a big deal. We pass Claremont. We pass Orlando. An hour and 15 minutes later, I am stewing. I'm thinking to myself, no, it was an hour and 15 minutes. I was clocking it, baby. I had it run. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And uh, I told him, I said, look, son, you get me there. I'm turning around and I'm coming back. You're going to catch the bus and you're going to come back on the bus. I didn't do him that way, though. I stayed and I watched and we had a good time. But I know why he wanted me to go. See, he just wanted me to take him to eat lunch. See, I know this thing. I know how this thing works. See, Daddy, go with me. He'll take me to eat lunch. And I just know how my son works out. But, uh, but have you ever been hurt by somebody? I mean, we, we play and I can aggravate him and play. But there's some people that carry around some big weight just because they've been hurt. Because somebody's hurt you and you've not forgotten it. And it might be a boss. I mean, it could have been a next door neighbor that used to be one of your best friends. I mean, how many people have best, past best friends, ex best friends? I mean, it could have been a spouse that one time was a spouse and they're not a spouse any longer, they're an ex spouse. I mean, it could be a spouse that you're with now. 
But how many people carry that weight? And so when we talk about trust, you know, we've, we've got the things of the past, but it's amazing how the things of the past end up impacting who we become today. Are we on the same page? You know, as we talk about following Jesus, it's going to get really, it's going to get really dirty today because we're going to talk about something that really, if we're talking about following Jesus, this is really serious because it's easy for us to say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus and yet carry around so much garbage when it comes to relationships, especially in the area of trust. I mean, because we've been hurt over time, there's something that, there's something that happens in our hearts. And if you're not, you're not very careful to pay attention to the obvious, it's, it's very easy for our hearts to become calloused and hard. You know, and it may not be noticeable in, in, the, in the short run, but over time, I promise you this, if you struggle in this area, it's going to eventually going to wreak havoc in your, in your relationship, not only with other people, but in your relationship with the Lord. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture today, and it's familiar. We've been there before. But as, as we talk about this issue of trust, I think it's important that we look back at what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians. You can turn there. It's in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians. It's Paul's letter to the believers at Corinth. We're going to be in chapter 13. We read it all the time when it comes down to weddings. It's something that we talk about. Oh, it's the feeling of love. But that's not really what Paul was talking about when he was addressing this issue. But Paul was talking about spiritual maturity. And what Paul is also talking about is that love, if we're going to love as Jesus loved, and if we're going to follow Jesus, it's going to be risky. And there's going to be times that, man, we're going to take it on the chin. But aren't you glad that Jesus continued to love us in spite of our foolishness? Absolutely. Well, I want to read this passage, and I'm going to start off in verse, um, verse 1, and we're going to make it all the way to verse 7. But when we get to verse 7, you're going to see something that's going to take place there, and we're going to pay very close attention. But I just want to read these verses leading up to that, and I want to throw some things out at you today that I think are going to be really helpful. But this is what I know about you. See, you're just like me. You're just like me, and we have a tendency to not only be hurt, but to hurt other people, because that's what hurt people do. Hurt people hurt people. And so I want to read to you what Paul says, how we should respond as we, as we want to be mature followers of Christ. If we're following him, Paul said, this is what our lives should look like. And so look at what he says with me here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to begin at verse 1. If I could speak of all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And you heard, making a lot of racket, a lot of noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could, I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be Nothing. If I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I wouldn't have gained anything. Love is patient. It's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And then he goes on to say, it does not demand its own way. It, does, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. And I wonder how many people are walking around these days with a filing cabinet with these files of wrongs that have been committed and they're still toting them around. And you've got your filing cabinet, buddy, you're just ready to roll that thing out. 
<laughs> and what did Paul say? No, no. No, no, no need to keep tabs as real and as hurtful as they may be. Might need to talk about that later on down the line, but look at what he goes on to say in verse six. If it does not rejoice, it does not rejoice about being about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. The NIV says it this way: Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices about the truth. Love doesn't run around trying to to, to catch somebody doing something so that they can punish them, so they can get in trouble. Paul said that's not how love operates. No. That's not how a person that follows me that's maturing in their faith would, would respond. And then Paul pauses and he gives us four things, four, four little phrases that, that sort of centers around this issue of trust. And look at what he says as he references about love. He said, love never, it never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and it endures through all circumstances, through every circumstance. The NIV says it this way, it, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. The New American Standard Version says this, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, and Paul, when he's saying this, he didn't leave a lot of room for error, did he? I mean, when you come back to it, I mean, he didn't say, well, you know, every once in a while or every so often or most of the time, but it was pretty clear what Paul said. He said, never, never, it never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. I want to give you a couple of random thoughts today. Can I do that as it relates to, to love and I want you to write these down. Number one, love gives others the benefit of the doubt. Write that down. See, in every relationship, there's this, there's a, there's the, the what the what we expect to take place, and then there's the reality of where things are. And in between here and here, there's a little bit of a gap. There's a space, and in that space, you've got to make a decision about what you're going to put there. And what love does is love gives the benefit of the doubt. Now, see, you know this because there are some people that you are a little bit more patient with. There are some people that you're a little bit more tolerant of. There are some people that you're a little bit more lenient with or easier on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if they were to do you a wrong, you would sort of overlook it or bypass it. You know why? Because of your relationship with them. You love them. But then there are other people that just ticks you off, makes you mad irritable. But when love, when there's a gap, what love does is it gives the benefit of the doubt. It creates extra space. I want you to also write this down. Love looks for the most generous explanation. I mean, have you ever assumed something only to find out later it was wrong? <laughs> Bob, I mean, we never do that, do it? You know, we, you know, we assume that we know what's going on. And so we've got this assumption, but that assumption isn't necessarily right. I, I, I'll always remember, and Meredith remembers, going back years, um, we used to take choir tours um, in student ministry. We would travel all over the southeastern United States, and we would go from church to church, and we had churches, and we had a, a tour that we would plan out, and it was a full production of music and, 
Um, it was just, it was a big deal. And so we'd take buses of kids and, and people to help us and we would go off and we would come to a church and we would set up in the afternoon and we would perform at night and the church would, would host us. They would feed the kids and, and it was just a big time. It was a good time of spiritual growth. It was a good time of kids being able to use their talents and abilities. And it was a good time for the church because it was a good encouragement. We usually tried to go to churches that we knew that may be struggling or, or, or having a difficult time. But it was a big deal. And I remember um, we had a process that after we were done with the performance, um, there would always be about 30 minutes of breakdown. And so, but during that time, the people that would be hosting our, our kids and, and adults in their homes to stay, they would come and sit. And so I remember that, that one time where in the middle of the breakdown, there was this large commotion up front. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And it got louder and louder. And it was a senior adult lady. I mean, she, you could really tell this lady was upset. She was, she was pretty ticked off. And so one of the adults that was with us said, I bet you that's who we got to stay with tonight. And, you know, and, and she left. This, this lady was gone. And so we didn't really know what was going on until they started at the end putting people with who they were going to be staying with, the host, with the host, the people they would be, you know. And um, they got down to the end, and, and it was this guy and his wife that were left, and the pastor said, um, you guys just hold on. You know, I'm going I'm to take you guys by your, your house. She, she's already had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, uh, we, were, we would have devotionals in the morning as we would prepare to get ready to leave. And, and uh, we're sitting there, and at, at the end of our devotional, this guy stands up, and he's just... He's just weeping, weeping. And I said, bro, I said, man, what's wrong? He said, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. He said, I, I, I had assumed that, you know, this lady was nothing but a bitter, old, angry woman. And God, why'd you put my wife and I with her, you know? And he, was, and he said, I was complaining and I was mad. And he said, then I got there. And he said, this home was set out just to host us. And he said, we came to find out that she was a widow and she had lost her husband not long ago. And this was the first time she had had somebody in her home. And the reason she was so upset is she had a roast. I'll always remember the roast. She had a roast that was in the oven and she wanted everything to be just perfect. But he said it was more than that. She'd also found out and discovered that she had a brain tumor. And she thought it would be the last time that she would ever be able to host anybody. And she wanted everything to be just right. And here I was, assuming the worst, only to realize I was wrong. When's the last time that you've, in the middle of an assumption, instead of choosing to believe the worst, that you chose to believe the best? That's what love does. Love also chooses trust over suspicion. Paul is saying that when it comes to love, when it comes to the foundation of a great relationship, love is flexible. It bends. You know, and for a follower of Christ, we'll go to all extremes to protect the integrity of a relationship. That's what we'll do. We'll go to all extent to make sure that we protect the, the integrity of a relationship. See, I don't know if you understand or realize this or not, but you've got more power in relationships than you may even begin to comprehend. Paul says this, that love protects, it hopes, it perseveres, and it endures. 
Because at the end of the day, there's nothing to be gained in not trusting, is there? I mean, there's nothing. Suspicion is only an expression of rejection. You ever felt rejection? You ever sensed rejection? What did you do with that rejection? I remember one time uh, after we planted Heritage, you guys know, man, I'll spend time with people at lunch. That's where I get to know names. That's where I get to know stories. I, I think I do too much lunch. That's my problem. But, but anyway, I mean, that's, uh, that's what I do. And I remember after we, after we started Heritage, um, I was reaching out to some different people in different places just to spend some time. So I get to know a little bit more about them and what they were doing. And, and I had, had called this one guy and I just had a hard time trying to catch up with him. I, I just couldn't seem to connect. And then I got this thought to, to myself, this guy's trying to avoid me. That's what he's doing. He's trying to avoid me. So I sort of went in the back door. Anybody ever been in the back door? You know, I went in the back door. And I mean, he picked up the phone and, hey, and then he realized who it was. What do you want? I don't, I still remember where I was. I, to this day, I remember where I was because I thought to myself, it sort of caught me off guard. Won't, I don't, I don't need anything. Just want to get with you and spend some time and have prayer. I don't have time. Time. Then all of a sudden, man, my blood pressure began to boil. And I thought to myself, who is this guy? Don't have time. I know what it's like not to have time, and I still make time, especially to do things I want to do. And then he said, I don't have anything that you need. Well, I didn't need anything anyway. And I thought to myself, I'm about ready to knock his head off. Who in the world? Can I just, I'm just going to be like Jesus. I mean, I was just ready to take him on, you know. But then there was something that happened within my heart. Something that began to happen within my heart, and I thought to myself, he's been hurt. Somebody's hurting. He's felt rejected. And, and, and I began to pray, and I began to, to ask the Lord to give me some grace. And, and there came that moment in time when, when we were able to get together. But you know what? People that have been rejected that feel hurt, they hurt people. And you know what that's like. Some of you do because you've been there. But even though we can't change the way others treat us, we can choose the way that we respond to others. Amen? I mean, even though you can't, you can't change the way somebody's going to treat you, so what they're going to say to you, what they're going to go about, I promise you what you can do, you can choose how you're going to respond to those people. I mean, you can either get bitter or better. You can either receive it or release it. I, this is what I'll say. Man, I can't carry that. That's too, that's too heavy for my shoulders. I, I got to get that off. That's not mine to carry anyway. And yet, how many times do we want to hold that stuff on our shoulders and we try to carry it around and it doesn't do us any good? But how we choose to treat other people either opens the door or closes the door of relationships. Amen? I mean, you can either leave it open, but how many times do we close those doors? And that's what people expect you to do. Because I see that's what the world does in the natural. But Paul said that's not the way love functions. That's not the way a follower of, 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 of me would function. And I hear see Jesus say, are you following me? <laughs> this is hard, isn't it? I mean, for some of you, you're already seeing faces and you're seeing names and you're remembering stories. And it might be somebody that was in your family. It might be a boss. It might have been a past friend. But you're seeing these things and you're going, okay, it's about time to go. Give the invitation. Do whatever you're going to do. I got to go home. Because you don't want to hear this. 
This stuff is hard. You know, but what about the people you don't trust? The ones that I know that just haven't hurt me, but they'll continue to hurt me. The ones that I know that will let me down and they'll do it again and again and again. Because we all have people like that in our lives at some point. And let me just say, man, it's really powerful when you go, you know, I don't trust you, but I really want to trust you. In spite of the past and in, in spite of everything that I've experienced, I really want to be able to trust you. See, there's a difference between bringing up all the junk that's in the trunk and the past and laying it out and saying, you know, even though this has happened, man, I want to be able to believe in you. I want to be able to trust you. I want to be able to give you the benefit of the doubt. I want to believe the best because when I do, I leave the door open for relationships to not only be restored, but also to be reconciled. And don't forget, Paul says, love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it doesn't demand on its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of wrongs. And I hear Jesus say, are you following me? See, it's a whole lot easier to do church and listen to kids sing and say, hey, they did a good job. It's a lot easier to volunteer and be on the walls or to sit back and tithe or go to a Bible study class and then forget what Jesus, it wasn't about the religion and it wasn't about a system and do's and don'ts. Do you hear me? Are you following me? And everybody's got a story. See, you want to probably tell me about your mother-in-law, you know? I have a good mother-in-law, by the way. Thank you very much. You maybe want to tell me about your dad and what took place or an ex-spouse or your, a friend, but no matter the story or how you've been hurt, you have to make a choice about what you're going to do and how you're going to respond. And as you contemplate the response, the only question that I ask you is, man, are you following Jesus? Because see, if there's any, if there's any hope for restoration, if there's any hope for healing, our best, short, our best shot is choosing to create space and believe the best. When's the last time that you've known for a relationship to flourish and to grow when somebody, somebody just basically said, I want you to know you're a low down piece of trash and every time I, I can never trust you and you're not, I mean, don't relationships flourish in those times? No, not at all. I mean, even though it may, you may feel this way, the only hope for restoration isn't reminding them about all the things that they haven't done. But I want you to know I want to trust you. I want you to know that I want to believe in you. Because when we choose not to trust, the only thing we're doing is we're shutting the door of that relationship. And the other thing that we do in the midst of that is we isolate ourselves and we separate ourselves. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do. That's why some people are lonely. They shut the door. They're fearful. But Paul said, man, listen, to love, I want you to know it's going to be risky. It's going to be hard. And not only is it going to be hard, there's going to be times when it's going to be impractical and you're even going to think that within the flesh it is impossible. But Christ in us, people, Christ in us gives us the strength to move beyond those difficult circumstances. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. You know, what, 
What do I do when there's a gap between the expectation of, of, of where I think they should be and the reality of where they are? What do I do? What do I do when that continues to get wider and wider and wider? It's, it's not closing the gap, but the, but the gap that's in there continues to get wider and wider. I'm going to tell you what the Bible has to say. You're not going to probably like it. I mean, there's those times that we need to confront somebody. There's those times we need to go to people because confrontation says, I love you enough to come to you. I feel like I've done all that I can do and there's nothing else that I can do. And Jesus said, listen, let me tell you, I'm going I'm to lay out something for you. And that's what he does in the book of Matthew. He gives us a little bit of an outline to be able to follow. And he gave us an insight of what to do when we feel like we're at that place that there's nothing else that we can do and we have no other place to turn. Jesus said, listen, there's times when you need to confront. There's those times that you need to go. There's those times that you need to, to involve yourself for healing to take place so that you can lessen that gap. The problem is most people don't like confronting people. Most people don't like going to somebody else and saying, look, man, can we sit down and talk? Because it's a whole lot easier to talk to somebody about them than to go to them and talk to them, right? I mean, isn't that what good church people do? We just sit down and we have a prayer meeting. Oh, let me just tell you, It's easy for us to talk about somebody instead of talking to them. But before you go and confront somebody about the issue at hand, one of the things that's important is we need to ask ourselves this. What is it that I'm wanting that I'm not getting? What is it that I'm expecting that's not being addressed? What expectation is it being met? Is the struggle really about them or is it more about me? See, what James says when he talks about struggles in, in James chapter 4, he says, why is there struggles and quarrels among us? Is it not because of our own selfish desires? I mean, there's something that you want but you not aren't getting. But what happens when you acknowledge the obvious and we spend our time confronting to discover instead of confronting to accuse? So many of us want to confront somebody to accuse instead of confronting somebody to discover. And what I hear it being said is this, and before you get ready to, to, to confront somebody, make sure that you know exactly why you're confronting. What's the reasoning behind that? You know, it's amazing. Sometimes if, I, if I'll sit down and I'll analyze things, how many times I'll come to recognize that the tensions that I'm facing isn't really because of the other person, it's because of me. Y'all are awful quiet today. But going to another person doesn't say I'm done with you. Going to another person says I want you to know I care. I'm not going to shut the door in our relationship. But I want, I want, I want to, to know that I have the power to keep that door open because I love you. I'm not going to just jump to conclusions, but I'm going to do everything that I can. And instead of talking about you, I'm going to come to you. And if I'm fearful, I'm going to take somebody with me. I want to give you just a few things here um, that I think are really important. Really just five things. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish up with something. Five things as it relates to relationships and it's specifically when it talks to trusting others. Write this down, believing the best. 
that as a follower of Christ, I'm going to do my best to lean into the direction of being generous with my thoughts. That in those moments in time when I am disappointed and I feel like there's expectations that aren't being met, I'm going to respond in a way um, when you don't live up to those expectations, I'm going to respond in a way and I'm going to do my best to believe the best. I'm not going to assume the worst, but I'm going to do my best to believe the best. The second thing I want you to write down is this. When I'm struggling to trust you, I'm going to come to you. That when something happens and there's something that takes place in the relationship, I'm going to go to every extent to not only believe the best and trust you, but if I'm still struggling, I'm going to come to you instead of going to somebody else to talk about you. Then the third thing, when other people assume, when others assume the worst, I'm going to speak on your behalf. Have you ever been in the midst of a conversation? And we all have been there, people. I mean, let's just, let's be honest. A conversation comes up and all of a sudden there's a name mentioned. There's something that takes place. And how many, how easy it is to, is it to jump on the bandwagon sometimes? And instead of being part of the solution, you just add to the problem. Well, let me just tell you, you know, I add my, I know what you're talking about. It only takes a little, a little bit to get a fire going, doesn't it? We've all been there. When's the last time instead of becoming an adversary that you saw yourself as an advocate? I've been in those places and times where, you know, there's a conversation and all of a sudden something comes up and all of us, and, 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 you know, and I, I used to say things like, well, you know, the sky sure is blue. That's not what we're talking about. You know, Sid, we're, don't you understand? You know, the sky is blue. And finally they go, what are you talking about? The sky is blue. In other words, the conversation that you're involved in is not a good conversation. I'm aware of what's going on, but I'm going to encourage that person. Listen, if there's an issue, go talk to them. And if you're not willing to talk to them, I'll go with you. I can shut down most conversations by saying, look, have you, talk, have you talked to so-and-so? And they say, no. I say, well, let's go talk to them right now. Oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. When I can't keep up with my end of the deal, listen to this. I'm going to do my best to communicate. In other words, when I'm, I'm struggling to fulfill something that I know that I should fulfill, I'm going to do my best to communicate to you as soon as possible to save you from having to make an uninformed decision. Let me give you a great example of this. I mean, how many times as a spouse has you been late? You show up two or three hours late and your wife goes, her husband's like, where you been? And you're like, I've been at work. What do you think? You know? It wouldn't have been a little bit easier if you'd have called in advance to say, look, honey, it looks like I'm going to be a couple hours late. Just wanted to let you know. I hear some wives saying, see, I told you so. <laughs> I hear some husbands saying the exact same thing. You better listen to Pastor Sid. I mean, isn't that what it, so, so a person doesn't have to make an uninformed decision. How about giving them the, 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 uh, the respect to call in advance to let them know, I don't think I can keep up with my end of the deal. I just want you to know that I'm going to be a little bit late. And you can fill in the blanks with other stuff there. It's amazing how far a little bit of communication goes and how many relationships struggle just because of communication. Staff and I were talking the other day, communicate, communicate, communicate. Communicate, communicate, over-communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate. That goes a long way. And lastly, 
when you begin to confront me because of something that I've done or I've not done, of some, something that's taken place and I'm not, doesn't, I don't seem to be meeting up to that expectation, I'm not going to make excuses, but I'm going to seek to tell the truth. I mean, there are times that you go to confront somebody over an issue and, and I mean, it's one excuse and they don't even hear what you're saying. But if somebody comes to you, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm just going to tell the truth. You know, it's funny because the person that's, the person that's in the wrong, most of the time already knows that they're in the wrong. And you know what the natural man does? The natural man always had a, already has a series of excuses that they can, are you with me? You ever done that? You ever done something that you knew you shouldn't have done? And, and, and what you did in your mind, you had already come up with these excuses just in case you were questioned. Yeah. But if I'm in that situation, I'm not going to make excuses, but I'm going to seek to tell the truth. Because not only do I want to trust other people, I want to be trustworthy. Can I ask you a question? Just write this down. This is a question for you to contemplate. You might want to write it down. You might just want to listen to it. But if you have a difficult time trusting other people, the question would be why? Why? What is it you're afraid of? What's it? What's at stake? I mean, what what what, what are you carrying from the past into the present relationships? What are you carrying into the from the past that is an impacting who you are now? See, there's some of you that are going. Well, you know, you're feeling really good, and and. Um, and, and you're saying, Pastor said, I don't have all those people like that, but, but there's that one. There's that one. Maybe it's a name that's come to your mind. Might be somebody you're related to, somebody, but there's that struggle to trust. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's unique. Because if honestly, if you tell the truth, you really don't like being around them. Not only don't, do you not trust them, you don't like being around them. And you know what? They probably know you don't like being around them. And I hear Paul say, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. Can I summarize this for you today? Let me summarize. When there's a gap, do to others what you would have them do to you. When, when there's a gap, when there's a tension, when there's a struggle, when there's a wrestling that's going on due to others of, that you would have them do to you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up on us? Can, can you imagine the, main, the amount of, of bitterness and anger that he could have? Because how many times have we broken our promises? How many times have we let him down? How many times have we been unfaithful in that relationship? And yet he continues to love us. Are you following Jesus? See, there's something inside of here that you, can, that you can take away. Are you following 
Jesus, I, I didn't ask you if you went to church and I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I just asked you if you were following Jesus. Is there something that you need to, to deal with? Is there a relationship that needs some work? Is there somebody you need to go to? Is there a text? You know, sometimes people say, well, Pastor said, I can't. Let me tell you the beginning of a relationship, of healing relationships. Number one is acknowledging that there's a problem. Number two, beginning to pray for that person. For you, it may be just sending a text. It may be just inviting them to lunch one day. See, you can't, you can't, you can't stop what they do. But you can choose how to respond. And as a follower of Jesus, he sort of gives us a little bit of an outline. Why is there struggles and quarrels among you? Is it not because of your own selfish desires, your expectations? How will you respond? You know that, that story, I don't know if I finished it for you earlier. You know, the... That was a pastor, by the way. And uh, over the years, I've continued to, to pray. Even this past week, sending a note, we've got together and we've had lunch several times, prayed together, spent time together. 15 years ago, 14 years ago, I had to make a decision. Was I going to write them off? How was I going to respond? You've got more power in relationships than what you think. If we're living like Jesus lives, last time I looked, the Bible said something about, it wouldn't be about knowledge that they would know. It wouldn't about be all the activity that they would know that we were followers. But other people would know that we were connected with Jesus because of how we loved isn't that a good way to leave today? That's how I want this church body to be known. That's how I want the church family. We wonder why our nation is in the way that it is. Because those of us that are calling ourselves Jesus followers aren't following Jesus. Because if we follow Jesus, this would be a different world. Would you pray with me today? We're getting ready to walk out these doors in just a second. You're going to have to put some feet to what we've been talking about. What are you going to do with it? I mean, is this going to fall on deaf ears? Or are you going to listen to what God's word has to say? Father, as we walk out these doors today, I want us to be reminded that we are your hands and feet. God, that you've placed us in this place, in these workplaces, in these homes, in this community, so that we can be a light to the world. I pray that we would be reminded that our, as we're following Jesus, that, that God, that you have given us not only a responsibility, we what a privilege it is for us to be your, your ambassadors to this world. In those places that we're wrestling, help us not to just ignore, help us to be realistic, help us to be truthful. In those places that we've blown it, help us to apologize and to ask forgiveness. In those areas that we've been hurt, help us to give some space and to be generous. Help us not to assume the worst, but to believe the best. Help us to hold on to the words that Paul gave us in reference to love. 
For the person here that, that finds themselves at odds because they've never come to recognize the love that Jesus has for us, even today may that be the day that they would come to say, in the midst of this, man, I, I, I struggle with this. But today I want to give my life to Christ. I want to trust Jesus. Even today, there might be somebody that listening to my voice that has never made a decision to trust Christ even today, to recognize, to admit their sin, to recognize that Jesus died on a cross, that he is God's son who shed his blood for our forgiveness of sins. He paid a price that we can't pay. That invitation that is, that invitation to, to choose to, to follow him and obey him is, is one that is extended to us all. Regardless, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there may be someone here today or listening to my voice that today is that day I'm going to call upon your name. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And if that's you, you have the ability right where you are. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.